Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, as promised, we're going to do a little autopsy on the major events that wrapped up last week that we didn't really get to comment on because we were so taken by the nba draft on monday and i gotta tell you when we did that pod i thought we were going to get a lot more clarity between the time we released that and the wednesday pod where we wouldn't really have betting value or any nba draft stuff to talk about but i feel like we're exactly in the same unknown land you know world where the top three could be anyone uh even though there's kind of consensus among the you know the super info brains as smith is one every back channel says smith's still no promise every back channel so says smith's camp is nervous but they're not really nervous because they feel so good about okc coming to the rescue and picking him too and they don't really care they just see him as a top two um i don't have like loads of confidence anymore that paolo is going number one um he got as low as plus 199 today, and I thought maybe we were kind of marching our way towards a, 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 a pick a mish market. Yeah. But there's just too many major easy-to-click mocks that have Jabari at the top that I think there must just be still a, a wall of Jabari money waiting to come in. And every time it looks cheap, people bet it. So I don't think we're ever getting a market flip here until we finally know ultimately who's going first. Do you have any thoughts on all this? Yeah, I'd have to get pretty informational to flip that market. And then I guess, uh, yeah, I think in the next 24 hours, we're going to find out a lot. Yeah, wash steam didn't help. Like when the big names put out mocks, like this is, if if there isn't true, um, actionable, like hard, concrete information in the back channels between the people who know agents, no front office people, no shit like that, yeah. Then the mo- the mocks will drive the numbers, and all the mocks, you know, say say uh, Jabari Smith Jr. So we'll let the mocks drive. <laughs> I I don't even I, my brain is broken. I don't even want to talk a lot of draft today because no, I don't I don't have any more clarity. I think we'll just I have a lot of nice positions on some over. I got to issue one apology. That will, that will go ahead. I poo-pooed the magic president of basketball operations for taking a victory lap on how secretive they were. Yeah, they're not that That was secretive. a mistake. No, magic? What are they going to do? Yeah. <laughs> if you know the answer, I don't know. Here we are. No, but this there's is the, a lot there's a lot of leak-ish stuff coming Dude, out. There's a ton the... of magic there's a ton of magic leaks. They just don't say anything. No, everybody's saying don't something know. different. It's like they had a very good plan where it was like, okay, you can talk like to whoever Niners. you want, read this script. You can talk to wherever you want. Read this script. Like that's the vibe I get because you have, you know, you have information coming from different angles that everyone is pointing in a different direction. So I gotta apologize to the Magic President of Basketball Operations for how good of a job he has done of obscuring the truth. Um, Because I think twenty four hours out, I don't remember another cycle like this where we still didn't know who the number one was, right? Niners is different. You know, Patrick brings up the point about the Niners. You said Niners too, but they were the third pick, and we mostly knew who was going to go number one and number two. And twenty four hours out, we did know it was Lance, right? Yeah, that's. Or am I misremembering? 
no, there was a spot like 24 hours we knew a little ways out. So I don't know. We'll find out. I think we'll probably have some information tomorrow morning, which will be cool. And you'll see the market adjust based on what uh, what that information says. Or maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just go into this blind. I don't know I've ever gone into a, a draft where it's like, I don't know what's going to happen at this decently leveraged pick. I've I've, for the most part, if I've bet something – with conviction in a draft is because I know, or, or it's just like, this is a bad price in this over under. And you know, it's, it's, let's say it's placed or it's heavily juiced. It's minus 20 on either side. You know, if we're going to call that 50, 50, where you're paying a heavy overhead, like I, I think it's 70, 30, that it should go over, you know, stuff like that. I bet. And honestly, if things go tits up here and we, lose a lot on the one, two, and three markets. I'm really hoping to get bailed out by a few men named like, oh, Mr. Dieng, Mr. <laughs> Thurin, Mr. Branham, um, Jovic not getting drafted at all, maybe. More more not showing up to the second round. Because I look at that like if if I can if I can make those ones work, I can pay for a lot of fuck ups otherwise. That's a good way to have approached it. I did not approach it that way. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I need I need like a perfect night from it because one or two of those goes wrong, and then you know, let's you go you go five for five on those. Yeah, that's a lot of money. I just you need someone three who three for I, five isn't much. Look, I just need someone who bet like a hundred thousand dollars on Jabari Smith to be like, okay, I'm going to cover a little bit of my stake here. I just give me like 10,000 on Powell, <laughs> right? Like, like that, like that, that would, that would uh, make me sleep a little better tonight, but you know, we're not there. Anyway. We're not there. So not there. what else you want to, um, let's talk a little about the NBA finals first. Is that okay? Did we not? No, we didn't. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> No, I think uh, I would like. I guess opinion. I talked. I talked to noobs a little. You know, I would like after. your opinion, and I would like your, um, you know, what kind of questions you had, or how you f- felt like it was covered and perceived. Um, but I did a decent amount of reflection on the finals in the moments after, and I guess on the positive side, I am more, 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 more than happy to de- give the lion's share of the credit here to Steph's performance singularly. Um, you know, not not to sound bitter, but like ultimately end of Good the day. Well, not sound bitter, but ultimately the end of the day, the Warriors were a worthy contender. Like I think if you stood back and looked at the you know, the people that could win a championship, the teams that could win a championship before the playoffs started, there were two in the West in Phoenix and Golden State, and there were um three in the East in Miami, Boston, and Milwaukee. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I think Golden State had the least amount of miles on what was otherwise a really brutal season from a rest and fatigue standpoint. I think all of those other teams were ground to a tiny nub. And uh, ultimately, even though I still will contend that the on a neutral court, the Celtics were a better team in a neutral setting. They were a better team than the Warriors. Uh, it didn't matter because when... They had to raise their level and find those reserves and be able to, um, you know, elevate their performance to the 84th, 95th percentile. The Warriors were able to do it and the Celtics were not. And I think, does this sound like sour grapes to you or do you, does that seem plausible? 
No, and I mean, also, too, there's a weird one to evaluate as far as the finals go from a coaching standpoint. Because uh, it goes back to, and I'll always lean on this one, where the Green Bay Packers had started the season like 4-0, and and we had questions about them before the season started. And we're like, man, they played four kind of bad teams. Mm-hmm. So they could be good. And it's just, well, good teams beat bad teams. And we don't know if they're good. They haven't played a good team yet. Or mediocre teams beat bad teams two-thirds of the time. And they just ran hot. And they might be a mediocre team who just had an easy schedule. We have no answers for this until we get more data. And it's gotten to a weird spot with Steve Kerr for that for me, too. Like, I've heard enough smart people say, like, hey, he might not be that good of a coach. You know, it, it might have been just, hey, you have a, a generational Hall of Fame talent who changed the way deep shots are taken, and then you pair it up with a few other guys and even some role players like Iggy, Looney, Zaza. Like, just it just worked out. Like, you, you had the team that was going to win and create a small dynasty. Like, you might not pin a, that good of a, uh, a scheme coach, uh, adjustment coach, uh, drawing it up and – and laying it out there, coach. So, like, I I was really in my head about that. I don't know, like, and again, we, we could talk about this all night with, uh, you know, with uh, our guy, I almost called him Mark Few. Does he look like Mark Few? I guess kind of. Like, just a uh, generic white guy. But Steve Kerr, um, <laughs> I mean, no, I'm going to mix it doesn't up really look like him. They don't look alike at all. I don't know why I'm, we, we talk in Zaga because we've been talking chat, but, um, so, so I ran into that, like we have that a lot where we know like, Hey, this is a good coach. This is a bad coach. This is a bad coach in the playoffs. I'm kind of still undecided on Steve Kerr. Like uh, he has a lot of, uh, he has a lot of championships now, especially if you want to count ones as a player, that guy's got a closet full of rings, but that, uh, that, and then correct me if I'm wrong, you had a rookie head coach on the other bench. Or was it his second year? Rookie. Rookie, yeah. So I don't know. That That's kind of a weird dynamic <clears throat> to play with once you get to the finals because the finals are a different kind of beast. And I guess nothing surprised me. I have no idea what I do. Too, this is where you know you do too much media, and I don't do nearly as much as you. I don't know what show I said it on or when I said it, but I said I said Warriors in six just to piss you off. I specifically remember saying it like now nah, Warriors in six. I, I bet the Celtics. I did oh, okay. bet the Celtics. Okay. So, um, so I, I wasn't pleased with the uh I wasn't pleased with the end of the you know the results there. But again, yeah. even even six, seven games is not a big sample. You yeah. end up with uh, a couple games where just you have it's almost like when we talked about golf today, when we said, hey, this course is going to play soft and it's going to be scorable. When a course is hard, the cream will often rise to the top. And we saw that with the U.S. Open last week. And we'll get to the U.S. Open. We saw good, nay, great players on the top of the leaderboard. You end up with one of these birdie fests. It doesn't matter if Rory and Scotty and JT's out, I know, but all these guys show up. You end up with weird leaderboards. Because when the course is just highly scorable, it leads to chaos. It leads to variance, deviance, high volatility. And I think the same can be said about a team who shoots a lot of threes and can at times do it. Uh, is it hyperbole to say better than anyone? I mean, yeah, not cer- of course. certainly not over like a five years. If I'm looking at a five year span, 
I would say the Warriors are maybe the best three-point shooting team in uh, in the NBA over a certain span of time. So you have a team like that, you're inviting some big variants into a a game, a quarter. There were some yeah. there were some very lopsided quarters both ways throughout this series. And I know that's that's something we see you know day in day out during the NBA season, but in just six games we had a lot of lopsided quarters it felt like it is a game of runs i've been told but i i don't know D- does that jive at all with you like is there you know is there a high level of variance with a team like that and it just it worked out that way yeah no, and also is. they're good um, like it's but... not it's not like it's a shitty variance team it was a good team they were the they were a top three or four team in the west and they ran hot and then they shot the ball good like the, yeah. the celtics probably should have closed out one more game but Things like that happen all the time. I will say that the Warriors have a lot of plan B. They don't rely entirely on the variants like the way that the old Rockets did, you know? Yeah, you going 0 for 27. Yeah. Whole different kind of that's a whole different kind of animal. Yeah. Um, and I think realistically, the you know, the Warriors are well, I mean, I think realistically, like this the Steph legacy talk, as obnoxious as it is to listen to, if you're not a Steph Curry fan, is correct. Like he is clearly in the top tier all time. And he clearly, in my opinion, ushered in a style of basketball that changed the game broadly. Um, And I think, you know, his offensive presence on the floor and his gravity in particular is something that not a lot of teams have a good matchup for. And like the series, you know, if you were a Celtics backer, in that series and they're up to one and they're up in game four at halftime, like the entire universe who was watching that series and watching the playoffs, all commenting the same things like, Holy crap, Draymond green and clay Thompson are having a washed off and <laughs> washed and, off. And like no one is here to help Curry. Like he just can't get any help. Like this is, he's, this is crazy. And he came out of halftime and, put on one of the most impressive performances in the second half of that game four, which swung the series from certain loss to very, very high probability of, or high, much higher probability of winning for them. And they carried that energy into uh, an impressive game five where the Celtics just completely ran out of gas. And, you know, I think I'm mad at myself for sure, because so many of my bets that I made over the balance of the season were based on sort of fatigue and, you know, imbalance of fatigue and blah, blah, blah. And ultimately like that, I thought was the key difference in that series. The margins were pretty narrow between those two. They were kind of, you know, they were drawing relatively equally the matchup, the matchup advantages did not exist across the board for the Celtics. Like I thought. Um, And I think ultimately the number of bullets that the Celtics fired down the stretch in the playoffs in particular hurt them. Meanwhile, the fact that the Warriors gave all three of their most important players huge chunks of the season to rest and recuperate was a huge factor positively for them. And on top of the fact that their path through the playoffs was way easier uh, in terms of you know how much they expended. So um, they, they were lucky. They're lucky the Timberwolves had some bad fourth quarters. You keep, <laughs> you keep saying that was a bad matchup. But boy, those crowds were good. We had a lot of heart. Yeah, there was the guy point. in the in the homemade Pat Beverly jersey. Um, never, I'll never forget that guy. Um, I mean, you're right about Path though, and that that was it. We always knew it was going to be a grind for whoever came out of the East. Yeah, we said that. We said that when we were looking at the playoffs. It's, 
But yeah, it was a interesting result. Definitely solidifies a legacy, a dynasty for sure that we'll remember. Maybe not at the level of like '90s Bulls or Christ. Who's the best? Like the '90s Bulls were wild, but like it's probably not even the best dynasty. Like the the Celtics back in the day. Oh yeah, that was sure. that was kind of a stupid run. <clears throat> I mean, I, I mean, I'll you want me you want me Should to rank really, dynasty? You want, you want me to be super petty? Like the, 90, in, the 50s Lakers. You want me to be super petty? In my okay. mind, this championship for Curry puts him ahead of Kobe. In the same way that Kobe's first three championships were because he was on a fucking great team with another all-time great. Like yeah, if you want to ding, way. if you want to ding Curry for his first three because they had a super team because he got to play with Kevin Durant for two of them, like fine. Yeah. Um, but this one was 100% him, in my opinion. And he carried a team of either in of, of either yeah. inexperienced or over the hill guys to a title in a very competitive field this year. You know, yeah, even even for me, it felt more like not so much super team. You know, obviously, I, I've I've had this opinion numerous times, numerous times. I've said I think Kevin Durant's the best player in the NBA. He's just not healthy. Like if if you could give him one of those limitless pills where he's like a hundred percent healthy all the time, he'd win the next five MVPs. Like he's that good. He has the whole skill set. He's just put together loose. And you know, he was playing at a very high level during those those runs. Yeah. And that was a super team. Like you're you're right. Like this did feel like Curry put the team on his shoulders, get on my back, and I'm gonna have a couple of outlier performances, even if it's yeah. just second half performances. So I'll give him that. And it's funny, like that it was such a foregone conclusion to give him the MVP because he hadn't had one yet. And it was such a dumb media thing because I wish it would have been a case where and I guess in that case, maybe maybe it wouldn't have worked out this way because other players were playing better, but I wish it wouldn't have been that way because it truly felt like really really deserved it anyway despite it being you know if they win we're giving it to curry like everyone's kind of saying that already mm-hmm. so he, he it was it was good for him good for him to like solidify things there and i'll still uh you know i'll, I'll cheer for the guys i bet on i cheered against him i've cheered against him numerous times when he threw that mouth guard and got kicked out. You were ready to throw him out the league, right? I wanted. I want. <laughs> oh, I want. I. I was. I was texting people like, "Can can he get suspended for another game? He hit a fan. Yeah, that doesn't that seem. That's that doesn't seem right. Yeah, like can can we can we get him gone for the year? Like I wanted him out for the. I wanted him out for the year. And yeah. he's such. He's a nice guy. Like he didn't mean to hit a fan, but yeah, I had. I had. Uh, I had Cleveland tickets. I, 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 I will still contend two important things about Curry and his legacy. You're in, and honestly, like a fourth championship, does it change my opinion about him being all time great now? Like it doesn't. It's, it's sure it's more hardware, but like in the same way that like, you know, once Tom Brady got a fifth Super Bowl and had more than Montana, like as a sixth, as a seventh, does that really change your opinion of Tom Brady much? No. I mean, Tom Brady's best ever game was a Super Bowl loss ironically like you know like i I would still say that um you know curry is his legacy to me at least is defined by number one his introduction of a style of basketball that changed the nba his ability to make shots from not just three-point line but from even deeper and open up you know you know kind of um ushering in more spread offense was huge for number one fan engagement and just quality of 
the you know quality of the the you know of watch sitting down and watching an NBA game. Frankly, it made the game watching the game more fun when guys lighting it up like NBA Jam and every freaking three is going in from forty feet. You're like you can't help but get excited. Uh, and I think realistically that was good for the game of basketball. He's been I think he's been hugely good for the game of basketball and the overall just people who care about it and watch it and um, you know you know dedicate time to it and obviously you know helps the betting handle because people we, uh, are more interested in that so that was a good goal i'm seeing i've seen some twitters twitter people say that they might uh overturn that so it's one nothing tampa like a minute in this i had I tampa to beta score first minus 119 only bet on the there game there you go <laughs> are they I gonna hold a, it up i think that's they're gonna yeah no they they held it it's good yeah, that okay. the clock's still good. moving so okay. i had a uh, i have a <clears> over five and a half games that could i bet i really be i really doubt they'll pay me early but I'll, I'll know it's sitting there. I'll know. It's yeah. Well, I mean, what if it, what if they don't finish the series? What if? Yeah. Uh, what, you know, what, what if, if one of these teams concedes? Or there's a you know intercontinental ballistic missile that hits one of these arenas. <laughs> yeah, it could happen. Anything. There's a non-zero um, chance of a lot of stuff. So both yeah, Tampa um, and Colorado strategic, uh, strategic sites for that sort of thing. Um, are you anyway. are you are you trying to be sarcastic there? Have you not seen Red Dawn? That was in Colorado. <laughs> Well, Colorado probably does have some strategic sites, but it's very hard to reach intercontinentally. Tampa is uh, easier to reach, but I don't know did, that it's a high value it, target. They did it in Red Dawn. Wolverines. Okay. okay. Well, uh, whatever the case is, I can put to bed the Curry stuff. Um, there was an, uh, a pretty violent reaction on Tatum and his lack of like being yeah. the great player we all expected him to be, which I found to be ridiculous personally. I think he showed an enormous amount of growth in his game over the over this past season. And if you look at basically any of the key metrics, he's on the freaking Kevin Durant arc for fuck's sake. Like he is going to be uh, an absolutely great player for the Celtics for as long as he is healthy. And uh, I think Celtics are 100% going to have to be in the mix for next year, just on the basis of his you know superstardom and first team All NBA potential. All that said, next season is still wide open. There is going to be a reset in terms of fatigue because the, this was a normal year, and now we get a normal summer league, and there's no Olympics in international basketball. And it's been a while. It's yeah, I think it's going to help the product ultimately. Um, but I think a lot of teams are. I think the the um, you know the disparity between uh, teams is pretty narrow. Like this is going to be a very competitive season coming up. I do not have strong leans in terms of um, who has value right now. Um, somebody brought up the Pelicans. The Pelicans played amazingly well down the stretch. They were a bet on team for the entire last month of the season, played their way into the playoffs and scared the shit out of the Suns in round one. Pelicans absolutely have to be keeping a very close eye on uh, what they do this off season and the health and status of Zion as we get closer to this to the tip off because the Pelicans are nasty. Um, <clears throat> Grizzlies should take a step forward. That's a young core, young team that's kind of all in the mold of the Warriors, frankly, um, in terms of like where they are in their progression compared to where the Warriors were when they first burst on the scene and made the playoffs. So um, Memphis is going to be for real, uh, and then. A bunch of teams are going to step back for even more. Like the, you remember when the NBA season started? Who the favorite for the title was? 
It was something stupid, right? Like the Lakers. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> yeah. I feel like it was. I I didn't think they were favored. Were they really? I thought yeah. they were like top two or three. Yeah, I mean, maybe by the time we got to tip, it was co-favorite with the Nets, but with the questions swirling about Kyrie Irving playing at home, it was the Lakers. Was how the many? That's what I remember. How, so let's say co-favorites with the Nets. How many? And Joff, I must have called him Jeff. Joff says uh, Nets Lakers. How many playoff games combined did the Nets and Lakers win this? <laughs> Zero. It, did they get swept? The, Nets, the Nets get swept. The Nets won a play-in game. Are you counting that? That no, that does not count with betting. They got swept. So they I won went, zero. I almost the co-favorites won zero playoff games. Yeah, that's something. That is amazing. It really is. And now your co-favorites are in, still in total chaos. You know, total disarray. The Lakers have a Russell Westbrook problem. The Nets have a Kyrie Irving problem. Our guy connected to agents says Kyrie Irving is going to LA. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Didn't you see well, that? How can they make things? How are they going to make things worse here? <laughs> I don't know. This is bad. I don't know. Um, the The Lakers have like five guys under contract after Kendrick Nunn opted in this year. Um, I don't know how they're going to get Kyrie well, or who they're that'll trading. That'll be or fun. <laughs> We're reuniting the band. Kevin so, Love is next. Is LeBron under <laughs> yeah, is LeBron under one of those contracts where he can just like leave then? I think he's orchestrating this. I would be my guess because the, the that's basically a puppet GM there. So somehow he's getting worse as a bad GM. <laughs> well, if he can move Russell Westbrook, I'm gonna give him a pat on the back there, I guess. That that um, would be good. That would be a good move. But yeah, they hired Darvin Ham, the guy that broke the backboard at Texas AM, uh, oh. as their coach. Remember that? First ever backboard break I ever saw. Um, and it was something. Uh it was in March Madness, right? Like sweet six. I believe I believe so. <clears throat> it's cool. I like um, a good backboard break because it just stops the game. And then they get to talk about it. To, the poor guys have to talk about it for like 10 minutes. Yeah, I love it. Um, so then, uh, yeah, Lakers, if Clippers are going to be interesting next year. What do you make of that? Kawhi Leonard is going to be back. Paul George yeah, I, I elevated his level of play. That They have a coach in Ty Lue who can coach the hell out of, you know, uh, a team of underachievers. Stuff. Yeah. Kind of get a feel for you know who's coming back. Well, Kawhi's not. coming back. Kawhi is, was out of the game last year. Yep, like he's yeah, going to be helps. fascinating. That's going to be fascinating. Um, and then uh, yeah, I mean, presumably Milwaukee's going to be even. You know, they're going to be even better as Giannis continues his ascension to the best player in the NBA. Um, presumably Nikola Jokic, our two-time MVP, is going to have more help. Uh, presumably uh, Luka Doncic is not going to come into the season fat. Um, pres presumably <laughs> Trey Young may continue to get uh, even better offensively in the mold of a Steph Curry. Um, so there are a lot of really, really positive things to look for in uh, 2022 and beyond. Um, my enthusiasm for the Suns, though, man, is gone. It's it's setting. My Suns fandom is setting to a degree. Um, very concerned about how that team's going to be able to do what they did in 2020, 21, 22. Um, Damon Trailblazers Holt asks, ah, 
Dame's going to stay and Dame's going to play and they're going to put some pieces around him. But if that's a playoff team, I'll be damned. <laughs> that's still a very, very play-in team. Yeah, I was going to say with the level of how bad a few teams will be, like they could pull a nine seed just based on if he's healthy. Of course. But that's one of those where if it's like the, uh, you know, the one seed is cheering for this team to come in. Yeah. Just getting to play Dame, Dame and, you know, five bags of garbage for four yeah. or five games is a nice little warm up. The Jazz are going to blow it up. I've heard credible Rudy to Chicago, which would be interesting for your your baby Bulls, getting one of the best defensive players of all time. Um, I, don't know. I don't know if they're my team anymore. I just had them in a regular season win total. I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. I don't know who my team is next year. Okay, I'll uh, let you, probably I'll let you probably Timberwolves again. I'm probably gonna go to. I'm gonna have to go to regular season games. Way cheaper. My God, playoff tickets are just yeah. stupid. Yeah, it really yep. gets you by the balls. <clears throat> okay, well, I'm excited for next season. There's gonna be a lot of storylines. It's gonna be super competitive, and uh, uh, I think realistically, yeah, we don't even know who the Heat are gonna. Their Heat are gonna turn over that roster. They're probably gonna bring in an, a superstar of some of some quality. Um, so yeah, we have a long way to go. Tyler Hero is probably not going to be a six man anymore. So going to have to find a new six man of the year for next year. Um, but yeah, NBA was uh, it was overall a successful season. Sad the way the playoffs ended from a wins losses standpoint, but um, excited to close the chapter and see what happens here with the draft tomorrow. And then the uh, free agency should be freaking electric. So uh, let's talk a little U.S. Open. Can we give the USGA a little pat on the back? A little attaboy? Is that the best golf tournament you can remember for the last uh, two, three years? Very good. Very, very good Sunday. Like, amazingly good, high drama. I told you guys, I think I talked about it. I said, during the sh- I don't remember what show I was on. Again, I never do remember, but I said when my guy Noonan, what's that? You have to start writing stuff down. <laughs> yeah, I know. When, yeah, like here, here's where I had this hot take. When my guy Noonan added some Scheffler, I added a little Scheffler on sure. like Thursday. Just said, I'm going to bet just enough, small amount to it was cover a, f- a all. FOMO bet. Well, and it was, it's like if he wins, I will break even on outright betting. He just, just enough to cover it because it's like, man, he is like everything was pointing to him playing well. He matched up so well with the course. And it's like, fuck, he's so good. I really don't think we see Rory redline again. Like of the of the top guys, he's the one I love the most. Added a little at 16 to 1 live. And again, very small, just enough to cover. So when I had those three guys, I had outrights. And I mean, there really were only three guys that could win the tournament once Rob fell off. It was Sal Fitzpatrick, who I had pre-tournament, and then Scotty. And it felt bad cheering against Scotty because, like, I didn't want him to win. I didn't have him in my, you know, I didn't have him in the Discord for the the guys who follow along with the golf stuff. I didn't bet him at a decent sum. I wanted the guys who made me a good chunk of money. And so I was very happy. I was happy with the results. It was the, out of the three, Fitzpatrick was the longest odds. That said, I cheered for Willie to make that putt. Yeah, well, they were yeah. they were close. It was like thirty two and thirty four. So I'm like, I would, you know, what's what's a, what's a what's a few hundred bucks between friends if you could get Willie Z to finally break through? Like, I really, really, really wanted him to win. Of course, and it, it sucked. It like cheer against money, but boy, 
I, I really wanted to see him take it. And he had some crazy putts. He putts above expectation in in majors. So God bless his heart. He tried. He got another uh, each way, I guess the each way cashed. And it was it was good golf, though. The, the tournament was good. The course was great. Obviously, the results were good for me. I don't know if I've ever had one where, you know, I'll, I've hit outrights, but it's like, uh, you know, the other outrights drug me down. I, I paid mm-hmm. for like nine of them this week, and my yeah. matchups lost like two <clears throat> units. So I, it was like, oh, it was, a, it was a good week, not great. Mm-hmm. But this week was legitimately one of those where you remember it because it was, four, you know, uh, uh, 14 and six on matchups. Nice. And then and then the uh and then the outright 34 to one. Like that's where you just watch all the accounts just like, rolling up uh, all weekend. It's just so fun. Like nothing, nothing, nothing Let's is better. Do the numbers. Nothing is better than winning. And I talked about this on the golf show too. I don't even know how to get some of that money. I want my bet. You know where I bet Fitzpatrick? Uh if you don't know where to get it, uh where did you get it? Where did you bet it? Circa. Oh yeah. So like when I when when I hit it outright, it's usually like, all right, I don't bet daily here. I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna take like you know, three quarters of this, take it Bitcoin and move it to like low vig or bookmaker or one of the ones I'm always betting at constantly, just to have that, or just take it out, turn yeah. it into Bitcoin or take it out and spend it on something. But yeah, I have to somebody have you help go to, like yeah. Yeah, like there's no kiosks in Iowa. It's mobile only. So I bank think transfer. Yeah. I don't know if they write me a check or I'm going yeah. to Vegas in September. I think I, don't I might know. just transfer from an account to an account. Do they do that? I don't know. Well, no. So like Circa Circa, right? Mm. Maybe I'm, I don't think that, I don't know if that's true mm. either. Like, so, so if I, if I have a bunch of money in my Circa Iowa account, can I take that to Las Vegas and get the money from a counter there. I don't know. We're going to find out. If not, I guess I'll just have to, whatever. We'll just keep pumping outrights through that account until okay. it either is too much where I have to figure it out or it's all gone again. So give it all back. Sounds good. Um, yeah, we know the right people to ask about how you that. I was going <laughs> to say, what you, some people like, oh, thanks for all the good content, you guys. It's always nice for you to help us through, help some of us beginners as I'm sitting here being like, I have no idea how to get money. I, yes. I've never won it outright. <laughs> I, that's why I say like DraftKings, oh, DraftKings limits people. They don't limit Andy. All I do is, <laughs> is drive down there and bet three outrights and win none of them. Like I've never hit an outright down there. It's just me. They're like, oh, me, this guy's got a problem gambler but he's being very selective <laughs> yeah, he's just, it's, it's only on it's only on monday and tuesday nights about every three weeks so come down yeah, and pat, never plays in the casino never he'll parlays put, he'll very put weird. a couple hundred bucks in mm, has never bet a same leave. game parlay hmm. yeah i have used it this um, is a very a, unusual can't profile this guy or or it looks like he had a layover in Detroit. He live bet a bunch of soccer. <laughs> that would, I, I have used the account in other states, but yeah, the uh, the best way to keep an account open is to only bet golf outrights in it because they, yeah. they got to love me at this. A lot, yeah, of, a lot of a lot, a lot of, of L's at this point. So. Um, speaking of uh, outrights, uh, who does Paige like this week? Davis Riley. Davis Riley, okay, that's a that's a hot pick. Um, I 
think she liked Scotty again. There's one other one. Maybe Keegan? I'm going to have to go look. Yeah, go text her. Yeah. Let me know gonna, what she yeah, I'm going to go she's, to, she's got yeah, go text her and tell me what the what her latest to like, be, what she's To be to be fair, yeah. so so like she we you know, she puts an article out on uh on Bedsford's golf that we help sure, with. Sure, yeah. You know, we, she doesn't have, well, she doesn't have the time to write all that, so we help put it together for her. So I do DM her and you know, people were giving me shit about she had Fitzpatrick. Like, oh, did you guys just give her to give that to her? And I didn't. I don't want to, especially somebody famous-ish like that, or she is famous, somebody like that. I don't want to like screenshot our DMs and send it out. But the U.S. Open, the first DM between Paige and I for the U.S. Open was her recommending Fitzpatrick to me. She brought it up before I did. So you could go the other way and say Paige Sporanic gave me the winner. Yeah, which to I me, guess to be I'll give to be fair, like my numbers st- were I, I give you credit for not uh you know bailing at that point, right? I you, well the, my you numbers stayed the, you stayed the path, you stayed the course. Your numbers I think said, I'd already I think yeah. I'd already bet him. Oh, okay. Okay. And like it was it was a case where well, she, you know, she's like, I like, I'm like, well, yeah, I, I love Fitzpatrick this week. And, and I, I think maybe she had Zalatoris too. Her out, so her, her oh, article shit. said that after the third round, her three outrights were the top three on the board. She had Jesus. Zal, Fitz, and Rom. Oh, and then uh, the next, the next person down was Keegan Bradley, top 30, and he was in fourth. <laughs> like her, her card did wow. pretty well. It was pretty <clears throat> wild how uh how well some people did with this one. So it was a great course. It was a great event. Thank you to the USGA. Um, and the British on, Open is thoughts going on the to USGA players play. Thoughts on the USGA nuking the live players with the uh, way they managed the course on friday no i don't know they did it a couple days like they were i was actually displeased with how they managed the course okay like letting all that watering happen at weird time some of it just felt like that some people got a pretty unfair advantage um not just oh, like, yeah. like anti-live the, like the afternoon wave yeah, on the, friday <laughs> well yeah no the, the ampm wave had a big advantage and i never I, I know sometimes it can't be avoided because of weather. I never want to see uh, a Thursday, Friday wave have a massive advantage over the other one based on course manicuring or watering or manage course management. Like if they're using the water or the sub air or the pin, lo- you know, pin locations wouldn't be a case that that's pretty static for the 18 holes. It'd be fucked up if they moved a mid round, <laughs> but uh, that's yeah. I don't like seeing that sort of thing. I, I I get that the weather can sometimes do it, and that's we have no control over that sort of thing. So I was a little miffed at that. Other than that, I thought they ran a really nice tournament. I'm super excited for St Andrews. Yeah, what I'm, are your th- early I'm, thoughts on that? It's I mean they, it's been played there a few times, some pretty famous ones. So of it's course. exciting to this is the part of the year where you're going to start seeing some early articles on it. This is the information gathering point where it's like, all right. What changes did we make? Because you say, well, they don't change it. Yeah, they change everything. Augusta's 13th hole, Azalea, is completely ripped up right now. It is, you look at a a sky shot, it's dirt, just red dirt. You can't even see the hole. So, I mean, every one of these courses, they're constantly making changes to keep up these, you know, the, the technology, the skills that these players have to make it 
good golf, challenging golf, make sure the course can defend itself. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, what kind of changes they've made. I know it probably a little lighter compared to what we saw at like Southern Hills made some massive changes. That was that was a whole thing. But so they're um, gonna let the live golfers golf. They are. And so 0 for 2, Jay, for getting a uh, getting a different governing 0 for 3 if you want to count DP. So yeah. so far the the USGA, the RNA, and the DP tour has said, we Yeah, we you can you can ban them. So we're pretty close to the oh the official world golf rankings accepting low points. Okay. I believe so. So is the Portland event this week? No. Okay, because I was going to say, talk about something that has zero buzz. <laughs> like I, I have heard and seen nothing about that. Um, let me ask oh, you. They uh, are. They, have, they quick, have kind of announced the field. Like, let me ask you. I, quick, I love the name of the course. What I don't need to know. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure all that out next. Pumpkin week. Ridge. Pumpkin Ridge sounds like I love an that name. course. Frankly, um, yeah, it's next what, week though. What a. Uh, a little trivia for you. Who has the best aggregate score at the last two combined opens at St. Andrews? There's a clear number one with a bullet. Oh, is it somebody stupid like Phil? It's Louis Oosthuizen. Louis, I was gonna say it has to be a, someone who's been on the tour for a bit. He was the last time they played in 2015. He yeah, was runner-up via playoff, always. And the previous time they played, he was the champion by seven strokes. Yeah. <laughs> he nuked this course ah, in 2010. He's in such bad form this year. Yeah, and the end living. He's living it up. Um, so that was why I was curious about the little players. Um, what's, um, uh, but yeah, so bet on the stingers, I guess, uh, for the, for the open yeah. and the team have seen the team comp. Um, uh, do you remember who won the last time who beat Usti in the playoff? There was a third player in the playoff too, by the way. 2015. I can't remember. It was ZJ. Oh, it was that one. Yeah. It we've stricken that one. that one. We've stricken that from mm. history. ZJ shot a nake 15 under. Uh, amazingly, ZJ was 15 under, tied with. I like you, you almost said negative 15. I think I that's how we should. We should say, we should get to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Negative 15. Uh, and uh, he tied with Oosthuizen. And you want one more guess? Another big time name, but who has never won a major. It's like Pools? Somebody dumb? Mm mm. Mm -mm. Dan asked, "What's a ZJ?" If you have to ask, you can't afford it. If you have to, yeah, that's right. If you have to ask, you can't afford it. That's right. This guy tied for second in the Open once, tied for fourth the Masters, top twelve, top fourteen in the U U.S. Open PGA Championship. Ricky Mark Leishman. Mark. Mark I was going to say Mark Immelman. Yeah, this was Mark Leishman's best ever finish. Was tied second. I would never uh, have guessed uh, him. At St. Andrews. He's getting um, a lot of love this week. I might add him to my player pool. Oh, yeah, Leishman? Yeah. Oh, cool. Is it so timing wise? They do what's this is the Travelers? Travelers this week? 3M next week? No, that's going to be like that's the end in the of summer. July. Yep. There's that, I think that's actually after the open. So it should be maybe the John 
Deere next week. Boy, it it gets really kind of it's Travelers John Deere, and then Scotland slash Barbasol, which Barbasol again it's a terrible tournament, but cashed out right there last year. Don't care. Um, and then the Open. So like, there's that double week where if you suck, the Barbasol is same as Scottish. Yeah. No, if if you're not going to the U.S. or to the Open, you go oh. play the Barbasol oh. because why would you? Then you don't have to fly to Scotland. Uh, I, there'll probably be some, I guess. I, <clears throat> I really, I don't know. I can't say for sure. Like, if you're playing the Open, you probably go play the Scottish Open first because then you're already over there. You don't have to fly the week before the Open. So, like, it, it's it's what they do with this every year. There's like that dividing line where. The good players who've qualified for the Open go play in Scotland. The bad ones play in Kentucky. Or is that where Barbasol is? Is that Keen Trace? I'll take I think your word so. for it. <clears throat> and then, and then, following the three M O, the Open, the British Open, and it's kind of like people call it like the double, like the the the, the duplex of Opens, the British Open and the three M Open. They're kind of like it's kind of like a double major. Like back-to-back majors is what a lot of people go with. So the 3M will be played right there at the end of July. I'm going to go up for that. That's uh, my favorite event that I've been to because it's the only one. Dude, St. Andrews has some unbelievable champions in years past. It's gorgeous, too. Yeah. And then then you get nasty. Then it gets Rocket, Wyndham, Northern Trust. Northern Trust is the start of the playoffs, which – yeah, it's the playoffs, and it's all the best players. I hate the format. The playoffs, tennis and golf have the worst playoffs because golf really or go, tennis doesn't really have one, and golf just like at least tennis didn't try to shoehorn a playoff in. Like you have the tour finals, right? No, like stuff stuff no one cares about. Yeah, like there's there's at least the majors, the players, memorial. Waste management, match play. I'm trying to think of like things that people care about from a fan's Ryder Cup for sure. Yeah. More more than the playoff, even though there's so much money and no one gives a shit. They don't get to keep that money. No. Uh, here's some more trivia for you about the Open in St. Andrews. You ready? Mm-hmm. Most uh, most common course yeah. to host the Open. You want to guess how many how many times they've hosted? Twenty one. Twenty nine. Twenty nine wow. times hosting. Uh, do you want to guess the first year they hosted? 1883. <laughs> oh, my God. So close. Damn 1873. Uh, the 13th Open won by Scott Scotsman Tom Kidd uh, by one stroke. Senior um, junior. Doesn't say. <laughs> doesn't say. The fourth, actually. Weirdly. Um, uh, other past champions. You go backwards before Usti. Yeah, Tiger Woods winning his mm-hmm. second. Uh, open in 2005 over Colin Montgomery. Um, prior to that, Tiger Woods won his first open over Thomas Bjorn and Ernie Els by eight strokes. <laughs> That's got to be a tie for the biggest margin of victory ever at the open. Tiger Woods in 2000. Um, before that, John Daly won at St. Andrews. In 1995. This is why you, people wonder why they get Holy to see John Daly golf. Because the guy in 1995, won a he won the Open. He has like lifetime exemptions to a couple tournaments. Like the guy He's an Open did, champion. Yeah. yeah. He beat uh, he beat 
Constantino Roca in a he playoff. Was wildly in good 1990s. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was very good. People right. look at him and it's like he's just a degen gambler who smokes too much and drinks Slurpees. Uh, question from Eric Crawford: Do you think Zalatoris has mad upside? Or could he just be the Ricky Fowler of the 2020s, four top fives in 2014? I would really doubt we see him fall to the level of Ricky Fowler. I don't know what has made Ricky so bad. He's just terrible off the tee. I think he just took the took the money, took the, uh, hey, I'm just a Puma guy. I'm having fun. I'm going to marry a crazy person, not concentrate <laughs> on golf. I, I think Zalator is a little more focused you in on his game. think he's married a crazy person? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, the uh, they've had some problems. The golf better of note in uh, in our in our chat that is you know is, is swinging large volume uh, told us two years ago. It's like the Zalatoris kid is unbelievable. He's gonna get top twenty week in week out and never win a tournament. <laughs> Do you remember when he said that? I'm I've never forgotten that, and then sure shit like this super is, weird. So he, he, like boy, did he, like he characterized him to a T, uh, and uh, Zalator is by far uh, the best major championship player this season to date. Um, he is he is <laughs> ranked twelfth in the world. You know how hard it is to be ranked twelfth in the world with no wins, no, no wins. wins ever. Not, yeah. not even like a, he got a corn fairy, didn't he? Yeah, but that I mean, that's that's double A. You know, it's he's not he hasn't even won like he probably a, won some event. he probably won well, some he, no, he, junior stuff. Yeah, yeah. He, he's won events <laughs> at lower levels, but he has he doesn't even have like a barracuda. You know, like go win an alt yeah. event like Hovland. Get yeah. something under your belt to get your brain right. Yeah, get some hardware, buddy. He um, yeah, he does take it well. He does. I mean, he's the question is, will his first hardware be the Claire Jug? <laughs> I think a lot of people have some good numbers on Zal, but no, ship I know his Sorry. numbers. His numbers suck. I'm not betting him at 25 to one. It's just not happening. No. Um, let's move to the other major uh, tournament on grass in Europe in the month of July. Also, if you Google image Ricky Fowler wife, anyone listening, like it's worth it. She have crazy eyes. Is that why? You're, is that why you think she's crazy? She she was a pole vaulter, long jumper, something like that. Very athletic. I'll say. I have never heard anything about about nice things about her personally. Ask. So. We'll, we'll have to ask uh, ask the guys. She's There's a some, very very good pole vaulter. Yeah, well, one of our friends' wives is friends with her. I think. Yeah, she's crazy. Um, no, he never said that. Well, ask him. <laughs> well, he's probably just polite. He's probably just polite. I will ask him. Um, no, career. let's move over to the other grass major that is being tested in, in 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 the uh, on the uh, British Isle. Uh, they are going to have a major tennis championship, and it is going to be interesting. Uh, trivia for you: yeah. How many times has the All English tennis lawn tennis and croquet club Ooh. hosted this tennis tournament? And it goes it's, back to the it, it, 1870s. It is the most frequent uh, venue for Wimbledon. <laughs> <laughs> is it the only place or did they have it somewhere else like 100 years ago? I think this, I mean, the history is rich. Like, I think um, it might be the only There place. was like a count or a, an earl or a baron or something back in the day who was like, I'm going I to standardize. I'm going to standardize. Was it an archduke? I have no idea. 
there was a guy back in the day who was like, I'm going to standardize the rules of lawn tennis, which used to be the, the, it used to be the, um, kind of the only way that they played tennis was on the grass. And actually, you know, what's funny tennis emerged in like in on continental Europe in the 1500s, um, as a betting sport. Players were like playing each other for money. Like that was like the, that was the game. Like they would compete for money in like the, in the noble courts and stuff. And they started not playing with rackets. They would hit the ball with their hand. Did you know oh, this? It hurt. That would hurt. Well, it was not, you couldn't serve 200 kilometers an hour back then. I know so. it's still like just swinging your arm. <laughs> yeah. So the history of tennis is rich. It goes back a long time. One of the oldest sports to kind of still be being played in some form. And it was formalized uh, in England by some Major. person. Um, the All England Tennis and Croquet Club goes back to the 1860s. So well before World War One, um, 1869. Yeah, so it wasn't a Duke. It was a major. And that's why they call the four big tournaments majors. <laughs> call them major, slams and tennis. Major, major Walter slams. Clopton Wingfield. That sounds like something Andy made up. But he did. Uh, he was one of the pioneers of lawn tennis. It's one of the first reasons to cut the grass. They competed for their lives. I don't think that's true, Patrick, but I don't know. Maybe it was a Caligula kind of thing. Maybe when they started playing this down in Rome. Rome now has an event. But, um, yeah, I don't know. What's your thoughts on what I got into the whole history at one time because somebody was asking me, like, why do they use the abs the ridiculously stupid scoring of 1530? Yeah, no one, there's no answer to <laughs> love, that. The love for zero never was always something uh, people were trying to figure out. It's a out. French word, loof. It means like uh it means what? I don't know. I gotta look that up now. I know it comes from the word French word, loof. Okay. Um, but yeah, the Crazy. uh <laughs> yeah, okay. So your guy you said Walter Major Walter Clopton Wingfield. Wa Wait, Major Walter Clopton Wingfield. Okay. He was he was the uh he was the patron then that started Wimbledon in the sixties, eighteen sixties. He was Welsh. He was Welsh? Oh, okay. How about that? Not a lot of people know that about him. Did not know that. Uh, so this was the 1860s, though, right? Am I right there, at least? Uh, a little later than that. 1870s. Yeah. Okay. So the first ever Wimbledon was contested in the 1870s? Jesus Christ. First, first people needed to learn how to vulcanize rubber to make proper balls for it. <laughs> a lot right? of things, a lot of things needed to happen. So we're going to start, we're going to move, we're going to actually take a couple steps backwards to the agricultural revolution. Talk about Jethro Tull and the, uh, the first planter harvester. A lot of this hinges on uh, what happened back about 200 years prior to this. Should you just do a full industrial revolution podcast? <laughs> uh, we're, we're now hardcore history. Yeah. Yeah. We're hardcore yeah. history. This is going to be a four-hour episode, part one of seven. Um, <laughs> anyway, we really... We really we I watched 1917 the other day. It was uh, it was oh, a good watch. You saw that, that in the theater, the lighting. Just uh, when he, when he's running through oh, the man. ruins and the Holy lighting shit, that there is part was wild. Awesome. Yes, yeah, very that good, part was very amazing. Good show. Yeah, World War I, was... though, not great. 
No, no. Cinematography up, was spectacular, we're, though. We're out um, as an anti World War One podcast. Yeah, not didn't didn't don't really see the point. Don't really get what they why they were doing what they were doing. What was so fun. great about the Great War? Um, <laughs> the so the uh, anyway, they're going to play Wimbledon again this year. Yeah, yeah. Although, can you explain? <clears throat> all right, I'm going to explain ranking points. So we call it a slam. You get a shitload of points here. What is it? Two thousand or split split between big all the number players? usually. Like, it's a big number. There's 128 players on the men's and women's side. You can get a lot of points. There's two thousand points at a one thousand, which is the next step down. There's a thousand points that get split up. So it's a five hundred, a five hundred, a two fifty, and so on. Below that, there's a few points uh, at the challenger level you can gather. And you need to, Jesus, a Jethro Tull joke. You need to, <laughs> for your ranking, you have your points, and then you keep those points until you play the same event next year, and you have to defend those points. You have to at least reach the same point in the tournament you did last year to keep those points. So there's always talk of defending your points. Now, we have yes. a little bit of a different situation this year at Wimbledon. If you want to kind of explain what's happening and why there's a little bit of it's not causing as big of a ruffle as I thought it might. I was a little worried it was going to screw with it, but I think enough, you know, they're not getting rid of prize money. So, yeah, no one, no one boycotted except for Noah. Really. No one gave a shit. <laughs> yeah. It was wild. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. So, again, more of a history guy, not as much a current affairs guy. So, bear with me here. But apparently, there's a war going on right now between Ukraine and Russia. And Russia, as the aggressor, perceived aggressor correctly, as far as I can tell you, um, has been given, uh, you know, a black mark by the, uh, the, um, you know, by the developed world, including England, who is angry at Russia for their conduct. And for whatever reason, Wimbledon as an organization has decided to take out their displeasure with the Russians, as well as the Bell Russians, their strategic allies, has said we are banning all Russian and Belarusian players from this competition. And at first that was applauded by many who were like, this might make a meaningful difference. But then people realized this isn't going to mean shit. The world <laughs> war, you know, war is being fought for many oh, different reasons. And this is not Victoria. Yeah, Victoria Azarenka's ranking points that week aren't going to stop the war. No, no, not at all. And in fact, many of the Russian tennis players like disavowed their country. Uh, including Rublev and I'm sure other guys, Medvedev was put on the spot and I don't think gave a great answer, but they were, you know, what the hell are they fucking tennis players? They're traveling the world. They play one event, maybe two a year in Russia. Yeah. Uh, and, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a weird scene to like take this pretty aggressive action towards these players who don't really have much to do with anything. Um, and the ATP tour and WTA as well, I believe made kind of a you you know a con uh, a, a, it was decision, a conjoined effort yeah conjoined effort um we're stripping Wimbledon of its ability to provide to award points to our tour and I think this was retroactive so last year's Wimbledon points were taken to zero yeah and this year's points will not be mass. awarded and so basically anyone whose ranking and whose status on tour depended on their success at Wimbledon gets inadvertently screwed by this. And so like everybody just kind of gets screwed. The players who play well on grass get screwed because they don't get points. The players who, you know, hail from Russia and Belarus can't compete, so they can't get money. Um, and 
you know, it had the it had the chance of making like a, an asterisk Wimbledon here, but ultimately, I think it's still going to be a really competitive field, and I'm excited to watch it. This is my favorite tennis tournament all year, and it's not yeah. close. What do you think? You know, the funny part is too is like stripping last year's points. You know, that could have been disastrous for somebody, but the two people, it's like Jovac Novak. It's not going to be like. Oh, he he lost a bunch of points. He's ranked fourth. People are gonna be like, "Oh, he's bad now." We should pull his spot. <laughs> we should we should pull his sponsorships. Have you guys seen this? Like, there's a board meeting over at whatever Uniqlo or who, who's his clothing? Nike, Lacoste, man. Jesus Christ. Um. So he <laughs> Uniqlo is. Fun. I liked it when Roger wore Uniqlo, but um, they're not. Yeah, Nike. I was more of a Lacoste. Lacoste is not going to say, "Oh, he's fourth. Let's pull the." You know, it's not going to matter. And the other winner was Ashley Barty, who really doesn't give a shit about her ranking this year. Because she's retired. Because she's retired. So does maybe, I don't know, the doubles players <laughs> or some of the people that made it far further than they should have. That stinks. But although in general, it's a mess. I'm probably done talking about it. It's dumb. I don't yeah. think anything. I mean, there were there. It does affect the field a little bit. There are some players that. Um, they're able to, it's similar to Ricky Fowler where like, Hey, you can enter this even though you're not good enough because you were hurt or something. So like Eugenie bar, Eugenie, uh, Eugenie Bouchard, Bouchard it's party almost, uh, Dominic team isn't going to enter Osaka is just maybe done playing tennis boris her. So there's a few names that, you know, aren't going to enter and it's not just like some boycott don't let the media make it out be like oh they're boycotting it like genie's like i'd love to play but i'm not gonna waste uh you know one of my limited entries that i have on like this exemption on a tournament that gives no points that doesn't help my ranking at all so i get it um yeah mateo and chapo that that's true sign collectibles like guys who uh a little further down who could have used a shitload of points that would have been that would have been nice to yeah this the is ranking. You know, it had the chance to screw things up because it could have made Mateo a landmine in a weird part of the draw, but he ended up as the eighth seed anyway. Um, I don't think they're, you know, if, if they put Mateo and Joe and no Novak Djokovic in the same quarter, then that it kind of sets exactly the same stage that we had at um, at the French Open, basically, where the winner of that quarter is your champion. Um, Matteo Berrettini is playing incredibly well right now. Um, it is impossible to understate how how um, sharp, how in form his serve is. And uh, he hasn't played the most difficult competition in his two titles so far in grass season. But boy, did he make those look easy at times. And ultimately, yeah, he's your Stuttgart. You saw Berrettini won Stuttgart and Queens. Queens, by the way, great tournament. Still has one of my favorite things, which is what? The most comically large trophy that you will ever oh, see in your life. It's it better, is awesome. It's, it's awesome. better than even the Acapulco trophy. Which oh, is, it's so good. The, the big, big silver pair. Yeah. The, the big pair. Yeah. No. So, yeah, this it does. It definitely does hurt Mateo. It hurts him not just for this tournament, but tournaments going forward. But he's he's playing well enough that I think he is rightfully a contender for this title this year if he gets the right draw and by right draw i mean if he's on the opposite side of the draw from djokovic that's probably your final like this is there are not many men in the field uh who i think have a realistic shot 
um, to win here. Uh, Djokovic is so, 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 so far the most experienced and most talented on grass. It is not close. I mean, I feel Djokovic Wimbledon about the same way as I felt Iga French, and that's the way it's priced. So there's not really a bet to be made, I guess. Yeah. You could never, except that you could never get Djokovic four or five to one <laughs> because he was always expected to be the best here, always known to be the best here. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, fun fundamentally, the rest of the guys in the top eight seated players here, I'll just go down real quick. Um, because they came out with the they they did come out with the seating. We don't yet know where these guys are going to be slotted until we uh till we see the um uh, the draw on Friday. I think put you on tilt talking about betting a guy to not drop a set. Much tougher for a man it's, to do it than it is a woman because because it's best, the best of, of five. Best of five, yeah. Uh, okay, so Djokovic is your one seed. Nadal is your two seed. Don't buy into any Nadal enthusiasm. If he does well here on grass, it will be fluky. And I know I have said yeah. that for Nadal doing well at a lot of times in the year 2022, and all he has done is win both slams so far. So I sound like a fucking idiot. Um, but I think realistically, Nadal is not long for this tournament. Neither is Casper Ruud. Casper Ruud with just one of the least inspiring grass transitions from clay with his ouster uh, at Queens as the top seed. Sissipas, his game is nowhere to be seen right now. He's fucking off in Mallorca right now. Alcaraz decided not to, he's dealing with some injury stuff and decided not to do any warm-up events on grass, which I think was a mistake considering he has like three or two grass results in his life at the pro level and like 10 grass results of even if you go back to juniors. So he is going to have a tough transition and I don't love his game for grass because so much of it relies on the, um, uh, on the drop shot. And the, you know, it's pretty easy to mitigate a drop shot. If you're, if you're able to master grass and have any, uh, serve and volley, um, you know, ability Felix Alger, Yassim is still a basket case mentally when it comes to the business end of tournaments and Djokovic in a, warm-up event today neutered him um <laughs> it was it was not competitive it was quick uh, it was a quick quick kill uh her catch um has the skill set as your seven seed to be a semi-finalist in the right draw i think almost certainly uh, you know he'll be in some draw with nadal root or sisipas and if so Pencil him in as your semifinalist from that quarter, winning winning that quarter. QB Hercatch not losing to any of the chumps upcomers or any of those guys he's going to be seated against, except Djokovic. Uh, and I would say Bertini is your eight seed. Same exact sentiment. He is beating any of those guys: Nadal, Rude, Sissipas, head to head. He is losing to Djokovic, in my opinion, at the quarterfinal stage. So I think you basically know three of your quarterfinalists draw dependent in Djokovic, Berrettini, and her catch. Which leaves one to someone wild. Uh, and no one has really been that impressive through this grass swing. People have been betting the shit out of Chilich. Okay. Doesn't really move the needle for me. He's going to need the right draw. Um, but we're going to need to see the draw. Figure yeah, out we saw fourth, his uh, run. Like, that, that run's probably not repeatable. 
Like, congrats. It was fun. Yeah, I'm also not worried about I mean, I'm not impressed by Rafa beating Stan on grass either. Stan was at his best, at his best, Stan was miserable on grass. Like, like absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah, go look at some of his Wimby results after making awesome runs at the French Open. They are laughably poor. Um, so I would say, yeah, we, we still don't know who the other, the last uh, semifinalist is besides the rest of those guys. But I think Berrettini is going to be, uh, he's going to be in the mix. Sign collectible just leaves him out of the semifinals. I guess he's assuming he's going to end up as the eight seed opposite Djokovic, which would make for, again, a great quarterfinal and basically your de facto Wimbledon final. Crazy if that would happen two men's slams in a row. Yeah. And again, it's one of those where I wasn't even mad about it. I just know, like, hey, I get to watch the final early. I don't give a shit if they don't <laughs> give someone a trophy at the end of this. Yeah. This is this is the match I want to see. And if they're going to have this match right now, like on a Friday, Thursday, whenever it was, like, fuck it, have it now. I don't care. Yeah. As long as we yeah. get that match. Swag Lord Ken is right. I'm counting out Nagat Nadal again. Deja vu over again. Yeah. This is this will be the third major in a row where if he wins, I will be like, what the fuck just happened? Um, and I, that, obviously, I wasn't like that for the French Open. Like, as soon as he got the better of Djokovic, it was the rest of his history. Well, yeah, that was um, over. That was, it was over. Um, the, um, uh, the, Women's is more entertaining and more interesting to handicap by a long shot, in my opinion, because your current overwhelming favorite, Iga Sviantek, has how many grass wins in her career, Andy? Sorry, I was counting something. 32. Um, not 32. 17. So you think she, in her entire career, she's the only one... You think she's only won 17 on grass? I have no idea how many grass tournaments she's played. You think in her entire career she's only won 17? How I got news for you, man. She hasn't even played 17 on grass. Okay. <laughs> she's only played 12 and she's seven and five career, lifetime on grass. Seven. Seven. That's what I said. Seven. It's like seven little chipmunks twirling on a branch, eating lots of sunflowers. Sunflower <laughs> on my, my uncle's, uncle's ranch. ranch. Yeah. Yeah. The fuck is that um, from? Something, something about, about Mary? Mary. Yeah. Right. Oh my God! Um, she, saw that. she is a previous juniors Wimbledon champ. She won that title on the ba- on the back of being angry as shit that she didn't win the French Open juniors that year. She stormed into Wimbledon and took everybody down, got a title as a junior. So <clears throat> there is some signal that she's got something good to do here, but we have not seen her. She has yet to win a title uh, at the uh, pro level. Um, she has yet to make it past round of 16 at the pro level. Um, so she's got a lot of figuring things out to do. And honestly, her game is amazing on clay and translates fine, not great onto grass. That's my opinion. Uh, so I think she is wildly overpriced. Um, and I think there is value to be had down the board. And most of it's been most of, most of these numbers have been beat up a little bit. Keep that in mind. You know, this is not, there's no secrets here anymore. Owns Jabor fucking rocks on grass. She, in my opinion, is the best women's grass player by rating. Um, and I would make her a favorite head-to-head over Iga in a final if that is the way it breaks. And oh, by the way, um, looks like she is going to be your three seed. 
She's going to be the three seed, so presumably she is going to be on the other side of the draw from Iga, which means if Iga does not make the final, basically if anyone else, if chaos ensues, if somebody pops Iga in round round of 16 or, or quarterfinals even, then all of a sudden Owens Jabor is your tournament favorite. Uh, and I have locked in a lot of bets on her to pull that off. It will be a very happy day if she ultimately is your champion here, even though she has never made it to a slam final in her career. She did break through and won a Masters 1000 this year in Madrid on clay. Very cool title. She backed up uh, her last year's grass run, which was super solid with a title in Berlin last week. Um, and while I wasn't like blown away, impressed by her play in Berlin, it was good. She didn't quit. She had a couple really tough matches where she fought through it. Um, that, and I, think, I guess uh, that would be, yeah. yeah. And you, you do have to win more, ma more matches in a masters than you do in a two fifty or whatever local tournaments you're playing when you're younger. But my only worry is she's never even been to a semifinal. Mm -hmm. It is, it is a, there is something to winning that many matches in a row in a fortnight. It is a grind, especially. And I hate not it's like when some not to be sexist, but we well we we see it more on the women's side, where the the mental game it can be a strain. Um, you don't see that many men, men crying between sets. Like no, I Amstabur I believe is very mentally strong. I'm not oh, worried. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about this with her. I'm just saying seven matches is a lot of matches. It seven? is. <clears throat> You got to win seven. You got to win seven yeah. head to heads in order to be the champion. Yeah. <clears throat> Couple of thoughts. Iga as a favorite at plus 155 is very optimistic. I think your second favorite, Coco Goff at nine to one, is also optimistic. She obviously broke through and was your, some, your, uh, your runner up at, uh, both the singles and doubles, Roland Garros, by the way. She lost both, uh, and that's not funny. Uh, she had a good run, uh, broke through, um, and we saw her go head-to-head -head once this season already against Ons Jabor on grass. Ons was the better player. I think Ons would be the better player in the head-to-head -to, -head to Wimbledon, and I think uh, those prices are backwards. Ons is 10-1 to 1 right now, your third choice. Fourth choice, this is a crazy one. Andy, you want to guess who is the fourth favorite odds wise at the market making shop serena williams Ooh, i was gonna trick you but it's not her she's your fifth choice the fourth choice is a defending champion though not a defending champion but a past champion no i was gonna say uh yeah i was gonna say the defending champion they put yeah, ash they, party the fourth choice that's weird somebody, no i'd be, be like that's a really <laughs> shitty because somebody would bet it too yeah um a past champion is she playing? Is our Danish girl playing again? No. I'm kidding. Mm -hmm. I don't is she retired she, fully? She's retired fully and she won yeah. Ozzy, not Wendy. Oh yeah, who did win? Uh Julia. No, who's the German that won Wimbledon? Angelique Kerber. Kerber, where's she at? Six? Uh, she's a worth a bet. Yeah. She's worth a bet. I'm not I will get to her in a second. She's down the board and she's worth a bet. Uh we're talking about Simona Halep is your fourth choice right now, plus 1350. If you've seen Simona Halep play a good match this season, send me the tape. Seriously. 
<laughs> I don't I don't understand why she's considered in the running for this at all. Uh, and her quality of her game is not close to what it was. Um, some of these other names in the mix, Zachary 20 to 1, <clears throat> Radakanu 22 to 1. Good luck. Um I guess Benchich at 18 to 1 is interesting. And you know, Benchich lost a hard fought match to Coco last week in Berlin. I wanted to see Benchich owns. That was, I felt like, uh, unless am I mistaking that she lost owns and not Coco? I don't remember. But Benchich, um, you know, I think uh has the goods uh to be a factor here, probably a quarterfinalist, if not a semifinalist. Um the rest of these names who are in the mix, Plishkova, she has her game has deserted her at times. Um, you might as Anna, well be betting the other one. Anna Samova, <laughs> twenty-two to one. Wow, that is optimistic for of course play, for a player who has not played well on grass. Serena Williams, sixteen to one. Whew. She's a landline. That's kind of the way I would describe her. She's playing doubles right now, partnered with Owens in Eastbourne down on the coast tournament that I get a crack up. I crack up every time I'm watching, listening to Eastbourne because of the seagulls. Um, this is like the one seaside retreat for anyone who lives in England, which is hysterical that they have one shitty beach. The whole um, thing is a beach and it's all rocks. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's water and, and white cliffs. Yeah. And um, I, I have been trying to gauge her form. She looks fit which is scary for the rest of the field. But can she win seven matches in a fortnight? I'm willing to bet against it. This yeah. feels like, like I feel like her arc is going to be bang, blow out, bang, blow out. Like number gets short, number gets shorter. People are like, holy shit, this is, you know, she's extremely dangerous. And then the third match is going to be like, uh oh, cracks. And then the fourth match is going to be like, how did she lose to that player? She absolutely should have beaten. Do you know what I mean? Maybe she makes a, maybe she makes quarterfinals. Maybe she makes semifinals. Maybe she makes the finals. But the idea that she's going to have the gas <clears throat> to get to seven wins here is tough for me to swallow. So 16 to one is a no bet. Um, but you know if I she faces, agree. I, I hope she agree faces with the Andreescu. Andreescu uh take here in the 40s. Yeah, that's maybe 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 post 40s, yeah. Maybe my post, fair is like around 30 post, for her. Post draw Andreescu quarter prices. We'll see if she ends up Fine like oh she's got ons in the second round or something horrible. I don't know how that again I could be talking out of my ass because of the seating and you just can't end up in that spot, but yeah, and Serena is the kind of player who hopefully runs into uh let's see, let's find the right the, the dream matchup. Serena runs into Goff, Simona Halep, Iga in round two. Now we're talking. We're betting Serena at a dark price in those head-to-heads, and it's going to be fun, right? And then I am pulling Eject the minute that she Pulling gets the ripcord. Week two. <laughs> yeah, she's a week two. Put her pencil her in for week two. She's going to beat whoever is good in her way on the way there. Hopefully it's not Ants who is her friend, who is paired with doubles, and hopefully the tennis gods don't put her in the same quarter. But maybe they do. Whatever the case is, Serena probably going to week two, uh, and at that point gets bounced. Um, Angelique Kerber, she looks great. Man, she played better on clay this year than I expected by a lot. She won a tournament on the run, in the run-up to 
to the French Open, made it to round three. She's awful on clay generally, but did fairly well this year, held her own, and came into grass season, and I was intrigued to see how she would schedule her grass run-up. She waited until this week to play the bad um, – what the hell is the name of that tournament? Bad Hoffman? Bad Hoffman? Bad, bad Humburg. Bad Humburg. Humburg. Hum, Humburg. Humburg. Bad Humburg. And Bah Humbug. And she's going to win this tournament. And it's not going to, she's going to win without dropping a set because she looks fucking great. She knows how to play on grass. She's got the experience and the chops. And she looks like she's in great shape right now, not carrying any injuries whatsoever. Her path to the Bad Humburg. Final, Alizé Cornet, Caroline Garcia. I love the and then, Alizé, too. And then That's probably right. Andreescu or Anisimova. Like She's going to beat all three of those women. Her 17-1 to 1 is going to be in the 12-1 to 1 range. She'll be your third choice, I think, after Ons. Well, she'll be your fourth choice. After Ons and Coco before that next tier, after she does, uh, she takes this title this week. So let's go Kerber. I think she's think she was worth a bet at 25. I think she's still worth a bet if you can find anything in the 20 range. That's my Wimbledon preview for you, Andy. You got any questions or any specific players that I didn't bring up that uh, when, have piqued your interest? Uh, when, does, when is the first day of play? I think Sunday. I think, and oh, speaking uh, of. I almost, you, know what, you know what I was doing on my phone just now? Um, Alex had me bet uh, Halep Zidane. Uh, Danzig under 18 and a half like on the show he's like hey this starts and like now he's like bet this now and then I forgot all about it like I bet it I bet it during the show and I just forgot that the match happened because I had a meeting right after and then I got busy so I had to go check and then I couldn't remember if it was an over or an under because it landed in like 15 games yeah like, Halep, see Halep, uh, Halep yeah it was just trucking so we had the there, yeah. Yeah, we we did have. I guess there's the tape. I got to go watch it for. We had the match. under. Yeah, well, it's it's it's, it's Zidansic, Zidansic. It's a clay player. So yeah, pretty, we had pretty, yeah we had the experience. under eighteen and a half. So okay, um, <clears throat> one and one and zero in tennis today, motherfucker. Rocket Man Haddad Maya is the third favorite of your book. That's wild. I've seen her in the twenty two range, and she has two grass titles, and she is making a name for herself this She's season. She's been hot like out. fire right now. She's hot like fire anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, Haddad Maya is shooting up the rankings. You want to know? Let me see where I have her among active women clay ranking right now. But she, she's top five for me. Uh, no, she's eight. I have her eighth. I have her after Owns, Iga, Kerber, Goff, Halep, Benchich, and before. Haddad Maya, though, has the biggest riser of this cycle by a lot. Two titles back to back. One of them was a gift, but yeah, pretty, pretty freaking cool. Um, I make correction and retractions because I believe Slime Collectibles knows more about this than I do. Wimbledon starts Monday. Um, but you know what they're doing this year, Andy? And I need your opinion, and we'll end the show here. They took away the um middle sunday of rest you know how wimbledon used to play monday through saturday day off and then they had super monday where all of the round four matches were contested on the yeah monday of the week two that's not the format this year you okay. got an opinion on whether that's uh, uh 
I guess I don't. I don't. Manic really Monday think. is no longer. It's going to be spread out now between two days. Good, bad, no opinion. Yeah, I'm fine with it. <clears throat> I like Manic Monday. I I liked it too, but I'm not like mad. Hmm. Like they okay. can have it. We'll, we'll get over it. All right, one one avalanche lightning. We're a long. We've got a long way to go here. A lot, um, but uh, lot who scored for? Hockey. Who scored for the avalanche? Um, I'm guessing it was power play goal Landskog. Landskog uh, on a power play. Okay. I'm, we're cheering for uh, Kale Maker um, Consmith. If you didn't hear that story, I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> Lightning of power play now. Oh, did you bet? Did you mean to bet him Norris and you bet him Consmith? No comment. No comment. I think I've nailed it. It went off. It went off McKinnon's skate. Apparently, I seen that in one of the chats. That what about? So, all right, kind of a okay. mis mismatch today. If you have anything to add to the conversation and you weren't in the live chat or on Twitter, motherfuckers, hit us up. Just tweet at tweet at us. Somebody already did asking about if we'd play in each way. I'd have to think about it a little. I think it's it's a very very dependent on the draw of a tennis tournament. You know, if it was a, I think this guy, you know, his, his win percentage distribution against okay. everybody is great except two guys. And they're on the other side of the draw. Here's a, here's a great, yeah. here's, here's, a, here's a, here's the exact answer for that. And you're right, Andy, because that exists this year. <clears throat> and his name is Matteo Bertini. If Matteo Bertini is oppo draw, if he's on the bottom and Djokovic is on the top, an each way is the way. <laughs> and then enjoy that final. If something happens to Novak, if he hits a ball person in the neck, um, if uh, if Kyrgios beats him in round three like he always tends to when they go head-to-head -head for whatever reason, that's not happening. But if it does. Uh, yeah, if somebody, if chaos ensues and somebody knocks out Djokovic, then you would benefit from that. And worst case scenario, he faces Djokovic in the final. Your each way pays you uh, for the runner-up position. You can kick your feet up and enjoy the match. You agree with that philosophy for that example? Yeah, I, I'm body-body. <clears throat> I wouldn't use that same example for Owens' uh, Ega because I think Owens beats Ega head-to-head -head and is a better player on grass but that's just my it, opinion minimally it's not like some mismatch worst case they're peers i like it so all right dan let's hit the music thank you very much my friend the paolo i mean the, the, the number one overall market at uh bookmaker today I hope if you care about markets, you got a chance to see all that in action. They, that was they tuned the automover down quite a bit. They tuned it down quite a bit, and it did not matter. Things were bouncing around like apps.